all. Welcome to the first Ground Game podcast of 2019. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and with the UTLA teacher strike coming up on Monday, we're talking educational issues. I have high school junior Norma Garcia in with me. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, about SABE, the Student Advisory Board of Education, and uh, some proposals to redo the history curriculum here. But uh, before we get into that, how are you doing, Norma? I'm pretty good. You know, we just, it was, it was our first week back at school after break, so I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things, you know. Got some, got some cool things coming up. Nice. So before we get into this proposal, I want to talk a little bit about the strike, because I know a lot of your yeah. teachers aren't in a position where they can strike. But are you guys feeling a lot of solidarity with the other schools and the other teachers that are getting ready to go on strike? Right. So my school is an independent charter. So we are overseen by LAUSD, but we're not necessarily part of UTLA. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, we've been, since I'm a part of our school newspaper, something we've been trying to do is make what's going on right now, like, aware to our student body. And so we've been trying to gather some information about, like, um, how our teachers and staff feel about this. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we've been talking about as a club ourselves. But, you know, I think personally, like, I've been seeing a lot of things on the news and the LA Times, and it's like, I mean, it's a lot of things that a lot of people don't really talk about until it's, like, out there, right? Yeah. Social media and everything. But it's it's crazy i mean i i only recently found out about like details regarding funding and it's like well teachers teach like future generations and it's like well like if they're not getting paid if they're not being given like what they deserve it's like well they're the foundation to education so it sounds like you guys are uh in line with the strike and like you're right. okay with the teachers who are getting ready to walk off the job and for the the district to kind of do its job a little bit better yes yeah all right, cool. So let's talk a little bit uh, about, uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I'm calling it Sabe because I Save. just... Sabe. Okay. Sabe, yeah. That felt weird to me, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so tell me about Sabe. So Sabe is the Student Advisory Board on Education. So what it is, it's a part of CASC, which is the California Association of Student Councils. And so what it is, is it's a four-day like four-day conference in Sacramento where students from all over California, whatever school, whatever district you are, you're able to apply or go. And you basically go and you get together with other students who are like-minded, who are strong, willing, like uh, who participate in civic engagement, are on their school site council, people from different backgrounds. And so we get together and basically we come up with a few topics collectively as a group and we get into smaller groups and that's when you come up with proposals. So a lot of the past um, topics that have been brought up are mental health, um, inclusive sex ed. Um, This year we had four or five. And so um, during those four days we do research, we come up with the actual proposal, we have someone who will actually uh, like write up a speech and actually propose that. Um, And so, it's a long process. It's definitely like you you do have to spend the entire minute of every day trying to work up this proposal. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the gist of it. Uh, and uh, is this more student led or is there a faculty advisor? Like who, who's kind of deciding the direction? It's all student led. The entire association of student council is student led. OK. And um, is this your first year going or you, you were there last year? You were well, saying? this is my first year. But something that's pretty cool is that I actually didn't know exactly what SABE was because I went as a semi-finalist to be on California State Board of Education. So with that um, comes the opportunity to go to SAPE. And then um, as the nominations and voting and elections during uh, this process goes for the State Board of Education, the student member, that's the whole the whole entire time we're also doing the proposal. So it's like a two-in-one for me. Um, it was my first time. Honestly, I was 
Well, I was really scared at first because I was there for the student board member uh, position, but like being there was so new to me because I am involved a lot in like civic engagement and community organizing, but in terms of education, I was still new to it. And so it was it was a lot to take in the very first day. Yeah, I would say as a junior in high school, that's a, a huge step up to take. Did you yeah. find it, it sounds like you found it very fulfilling though. I did, yeah, because there was, I didn't know anyone there. And all of these students either have um, participated in other programs of CASC or have gone to say before or are like, way more involved in terms of education and legislation and so I as someone who had just started learning about it was really like confused at first but it, it was pretty easy to learn as things were going because every all of the students there are like willing to help and all of the students who hold like a position um, are always there for assistance. That makes a lot of sense. And this is students from up and down the state, I assume. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of diversity in students, yeah. in educational quality, and the kind of schools they're coming from. Yeah. What did that feel like? Like, what kind of picture did you have of the state of California as sort of a school system? I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew that, you know, I've heard like, oh, a lot of students from different schools are going to go. But I didn't know. And I was only one, of, I believe I was only one of three from the L.A. County. Oh, and wow. so I was like, wow, you know, as students from San Diego in my group specifically, we had um, students who go to Berkeley High School. We have students who go all the way um, down to San Diego. You know, we had a lot of diversity. And so what that gave to me was a lot of new perspectives because since a lot of these students also go to private schools, public schools, charter schools, it was just... Um, like, it gave me more exposure. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. I, I also didn't realize that, like, charter schools and, and well, obviously your charter school, but, like, yeah. private schools, like the one that I would have gone to in high school, would also be included in that. That's kind of an interesting turn. Did yeah. you feel uh, any kind of divisions there? Was there, like, any friction with students? Um, there was definitely a, a lot of times where we were able to discuss, like, our own opinions regarding some topics. Um, at first, you know, I as someone who has been around people with um, like similar ideologies as me I wasn't really sure at first like how I would feel talking to people who maybe are aren't as like-minded as me but at the same time you know it was a chance for me to grow and learn and like hear from other people and the the subject that you ended up working on is uh, centered around the history curriculum inclusive history yeah so let's walk uh, walk through this what did you first identify as like being deficient in the history curriculum like why did you want to fix that particular area of study well, you know, we always hear the saying, especially from minority students, you know, we never talk about this in history. This isn't in our textbook. And I say, well, what isn't in your textbook? What don't you know? And so I was only introduced to this like early on. I read A Young People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. And, you know, as someone who's fr like um, from a background who's Latina, you know, I was really surprised that a lot of the topics weren't covered and so we learned about the Mexican-American war and you know all of these things like in terms of territory and it's well why don't I get to talk about this in class like where where's my chance to speak up and so when the topic of history inclusive history came up um, I act, that was my first choice mm -hmm. and I really wanted to work on it because it's not something that's always talked about in school specifically mm -hmm. you know a lot of students say like oh how come we only spend one day on this well it's because we already have a curriculum mm. and so here was our chance to fix it and so and where is that curriculum set like what where would you guys be making this change um, if your proposal went through like who who's ultimately deciding what the history curriculum looks like now so the state board of education has jurisdiction over curriculum but what we were trying to do specifically was add or modify things that were in the current framework so i think 
Um, the last revision was in 2015, I believe. And that basically gave more, how would you say it? It, it expanded what was covered in history, but it's ultimately up to school districts to see like um, what textbooks were being used and stuff like that. And so what we focused on was we recommended that the instruction ex instructional quality commissions um, revise textbooks or have something to modify textbooks because at the end of the day, that's what students are using. That's what students will, ideally, that's what students would be using. And so we recommended that there would be more primary sources and that authors were um, authors of different backgrounds were writing these books and these specific topics. And so that's what we were proposing. So for for you, why are those important changes? Like in a, a lived experience sort of sense, um, what would that change about your high school education, about like your education moving forward once you're out of school? I think it would it would give me more, I guess, being in a history class, I think I would feel more comfortable. I would feel more represented because a lot of what we learn in history is Eurocentric yeah. history. And so that's something that, you know, as someone who goes to a school that's predominantly minority, like minority backgrounds, um, it's like, well, you know, I feel like I want to see my background represented accurately. Mm -hmm. um, because we do have topics, we do have a lot of primary sources that do cover a lot of these things, but it's, it's a matter of like, when is it going to be covered? Mm -hmm. Because there's a, there's also, it, there's a lot of other factors. For example, College Board has jurisdiction over like AP classes and so you can't really squeeze in more information. Mm -hmm. You have, if, if anything, it's cutting it down, yeah. which actually ha is happening uh, next year um, with AP World History. They're moving up the timeline, so they're cutting off a lot of the the colonial history, like the a lot of the more um, like indigenous backgrounds are being cut off from that timeline. Interesting. That yeah. doesn't seem like the, the most healthy change to be making. It's already a rush. Like, I remember yeah. doing AP World History back, you know, a, two decades ago. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm old. Uh, but, like, a long while ago when I was – and it already felt like I was trying to cram a lot of information and and kind of studying for a test more than, like, learning for this. Right. Does it feel like that to you? Because I know y'all are doing way more standardized testing than I was doing back then. It definitely still feels like that. A lot of times, like – you know, as a junior, you know, you have AP testing, but you also have SAT and ACT. And it's a lot of just like everything's coming at you at once and it's all standardized testing. And for me personally, it kind of defeats the purpose of like the class. Because at the end of the day, if I'm going to take a class, I'd rather learn something than try to memorize it and be tested on it. So I, I think standardized testing is just a whole nother topic on its own. But yeah. In in my home state of Arizona, uh, they have a lot of backwards kind of thoughts about this stuff. The Republican Party there has a has had a stranglehold on the state for a long while. That's finally changing with a lot of the demographics here because, you know, millennials, my generation, and then exennials or whatever, you know, you want to call folks younger than me <laughs> yeah. are much browner, uh, younger and radical. Um, and we don't really jive with that curriculum as much. People... Uh, especially state legislators tried to like ban Chicano studies and like African-American studies from high school. And what kind of message does that send to y'all? Does that make you want to fight more? Does that make you want to fight less? Like, how do you respond to that sort of pressure? It makes me want to fight more, if anything, because, you know, I mean, we live in California, so that's not really a problem. If anything, you know, students here are um, like 
activists in, on their own and so i think for me hearing that at first i was like wait a minute like wh- why is that going on you need to have like your own like version of save because at the end of the day like students should have a voice because they're the ones that are in the classroom it, it relates back to the whole um the strikes that are going on yeah. why aren't why aren't teachers on boards like wh- they should be on boards and so like if if i'm going to be in a classroom taking a history class I feel like it should be what I'm, I want to learn. Like, at the end of the day, it's, I feel like everything needs to be well-rounded. Like, it's a history class. Yeah. You, can't, you can't censor everything in history. I, we don't really want to get too much into, like, Orwell's 1984, but, like, the rewriting <laughs> and the, the, you know, kind yeah. of homogenizing of history or feeling like history isn't fixed, that, like, we get to always change what it is and we, we leave a lot of that stuff behind. Right. Uh, you, you hit on something I really want to explore, which is how much say do you feel like teachers have and how would you want to give them more? Because it feels like they're a little bit cut out of this process and they're answering to an administration that's very much looking for them to hit targets like kids have to hit these grades, these testing targets, these graduation numbers. How are they kind of responding to this pressure? I think the system doesn't really allow them to have their own version. You know, they have to follow this curriculum. They have to do this, this and this. And so I think a lot of the times it's up, It's ultimately up to the teacher sometimes. You know, if they want to go off topic and have a conversation, do it. If they want to have a class discussion, go for it. If, you know, Socratic seminars are a big thing. And so I think they don't really have much of a say in terms of, you know, what exactly it is they're teaching, but there are still ways that they can, you know, try to implement that in the classroom. And so this is to kind of turn to national politics, because uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes that Santa Monica ever made was loosing Stu- Stephen Miller on the world. Um, who's, uh, you know, one of Trump's advisors, and he came out of Santa Monica High, where he famously would chide students for speaking Spanish in the hallways, which it's like, dude, you're in Santa Monica. Like, that's, this isn't an English word. We're in Los Angeles. (laughs) Um, But what kind of message do you get as a young person who's getting ready to go into the world when you see this sort of xenophobic administration that we have now? Right. Um, Well, I am constantly looking at the news, and, you know, I, I try to get the whole picture, but I don't see, you know, this administration accurately representing what America should stand for. And I it, it's hard to find people to talk to uh, because I do go to a small school as well. So it's 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 a lot of like I think about things on my own and like, what would I do if I run for office? Like, what would I do if I was president? You know, I was th- I've been thinking about running for office. You Good. Know? You should definitely yeah. be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's. You know, there are certain things you shouldn't be saying on national television. There are certain things you shouldn't be doing. And it's, you know, you have a lot of the younger generations looking up to, you know, what is what is this administration doing? And, you know, they're going to be affected by it. And so. And going forward, as you are kind of working towards this, what does the student organizing look like for you on the ground? Like, how are you getting other students on board and sort of like spreading this message among like your colleagues and, and your right. classmates? So. In terms of outside of school, I in seventh grade I helped start a nonprofit. I don't know if you've heard of Big Citizen Hub. Um, I have not. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. All right. So basically, we're a nonprofit located in downtown, and what we do is we gather middle school and high school students, and we put them on random teams based on topics. So it's separate middle school and high school. But so for example, uh, for high school, um, we have groups of about a dozen maybe, um, and they get together and. And they pick their 
first so students who apply they pick a few topics that they're interested in and then they're placed on these teams and so what they do is they visit so the topic I ended up getting this year was gender justice. And so we were barely starting this Saturday. But in the past years, you know, we've had topics like immigration, we've had environmental, we had animal rights. And so what we do is try to get them to learn about the topic and then create their own service projects, whether that be um, maybe, you know, uh, having their own workshop or showing a screening of a documentary and talking about it or it can be you know it can be anything they want it's student-led mm-hmm. uh, we do have the help of you know staff and some college students who are part of these team teams and so um you know i've been i've been this is my fifth year yeah. i've had you know over 700 hours of service community service and it's it's a lot of I see students and so I started when I was in middle school and now that I'm in high school and I'm actually a team leader it's well I'm seeing a lot of students go through these doors learning about topics they don't really talk about in school or in their home and it's amazing you know and how how does that change their perspective as they like leave this program or, or engage with it further you know when they finish their project at the end do you feel like they're just putting this to the side and going back to like hey it's summer break and I can forget about this or is this making an actual change in the way they engage with the world afterwards you know I definitely see so we have a lot of alumni who still come back for another year and they keep coming back so you know I came back from middle school and now I'm in high school and so we still have a lot of students who finished the middle school program and now they're in high school and we do you know I have a lot of conversations with a lot of them and they a lot of them want to be involved in their community they want to you know how can I get involved in in civic engagement and you know what what's my neighborhood council look like you know stuff like that and it's and it, it's amazing because, you know, we're young people and a lot of times people look at us like, oh, you know, you can't really do much or you're just a child. And it's, well, well, let me show you, you know, come to our program. Look, look, look at what one of our days looks like. And this is just kind of a random question, but what's been your favorite thing that you've worked on in the past five years? Like, what is the, the project and subject area that you've really jived with? I mean, I don't really. I mean, OK, so my first year, like my first few years, I did. Um, animal rights. I focused on environmental. Last year, I did homelessness. I think homelessness is probably one of my favorite topics, just because we're in Los Angeles, we're in California. You know, we see, especially in this area, we see a lot of, um, you know, it's in our de- everyday lives. You know, you walk across the street, you take the bus, you take public transportation, and so we've done. Um, some of our projects I, I always end up missing projects just because they're in the summer and I have other programs too um, but uh, I try to stay involved and so some of the things we've done we've gone to different shelters we've um, made um, boxes care packages um, we've had in the past we've had people who who've been through homelessness who who are now like um, doing their own thing and they come speak to us and a lot of the times you know it, it's like well there's always something you can do um, about any topic, really. And so having a say in what I get to do for my project, it's amazing. That's very cool. So let's uh, let, let's focus back to um, the, the current proposal. What does your path forward look like from here? You guys have, have written your proposal, um, and now you take it to the state, you take it to the LAUSD board. Like, lead me through how you get uh, to a win. Okay, so during SABE, at, in the last day on Thursday, we presented... 
um, our speaker presented to the actual State Board of Education. Um, so we had the room, we had, you know, I also, it's important to, to know that the State Board of Education has a student member because a lot of the times, you know, students need to know that. Like, you have someone representing you, so that's the thing. But, um, and so they have their proposal now. They, um, they're, they're looking through it, you know, at, ultimately after that, it's up to them. But um, CASC has another conference called SABLE, which is the Student Advisory Board um, on Legislation in Education, okay. I believe that's what it's called. And so that conference is taking place next week uh, in Sacramento, in the same place. Um, it's a similar style, but they do present to a different branch of the state board. And so after that, um, since it's less, since it's not the State Board of Education and they present to a smaller group, um, after that, it, it keeps going. So usually after that, that's when we start to see changes. You know, in the past we have had, um, no, I, don't, I don't know statistically how many proposals actually go through, you know, start to finish, but after that it's up to, up to the board. And it, for these proposals to become reality, do they have to go through like the state assembly or state senate or it's all within the, the school board at the state level? It's, it's all within the state board. And is that felt like a comfortable kind of back and forth, like kind of talking to the folks who make up the state board? Because these are very powerful bureaucrats. They control the lives of several million students across uh, one of the biggest states in the nation. Yeah, so um, some so when we had to present the proposals, we had a dry run panel, and some of the state, uh, some of the board members actually came and listened to us, and so getting their feedback was amazing because you know they've been doing this, you know, Casca's been doing this, and they have been hearing proposals for the past few years, and you know, hearing their um, proposals after we finished like presenting it. Um, I think it's 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 cool because you don't often get to talk to you know you know as a student you don't get to have that one on one a lot, mm -hmm. but having a group of students with you, having other students who are like you, and then hearing like advice, hearing you know what can we change, what can we do, just makes the proposal better itself. Very cool. Um, and are you going up to the to Sable or you're, no? You're I'm not, not going up for that, but you'll no. still be kind of keeping an eye yeah. on, on what happens. I know a lot. A lot of, I think a few of our um, people specifically who were in the inclusive history they are going and so they they will most likely be working on that same proposal so what sable does is they revise those same proposals so nothing is being like completely thrown out they're still looking at those can i ask what other proposals came out of uh save the right. first round so we had four main ones we had um mental health was one we had inclusive sexual education we had um a proposal to ensure that schools are being environmental, environmentally friendly, and then we had ours, which was inclusive history. So those are the four main ones. Okay. Um, if obviously you have a personal stake in the inclusive history, um, but would you be happy with any of those going through? Is there one that you really want to see more than others, even if it's not your own? Yeah. No, I think all of the proposals were good. Um, when we had um, the speakers present. It's something that I've never seen before because these are high school students. And, you know, for them to be in front of the State Board of Education and, you know, say what they want, tell their story. You know, a lot of our speakers specifically, you know, she had an anecdote in it where she explained, you know, what it was like as a Latina to be in her history class and not talking about certain things. And so... Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> no, just like, you know, if these, uh, which one of the proposals oh, yeah. you, you really would like to see? Uh, well, I think, and, and not that it has to be an either yeah. or, but they well, all I sound very exciting. Mental health was, um, I think mental health is something that's also 
starting to get a lot of talk because especially my school we we've had a new club you know it, it's something that finally we're starting to talk about and so for me personally um i don't really you know all the other topics i kind of hear about i learn on my own but mental health is like there's such a stigma around it and it's like well these students who are involved on their own in their own way uh i think they had a lot of input in that proposal and so it's something that's like I think it has been some a lot of similar pro- proposals have been made regarding mental health but um, as the years go by it just gets better uh, and it sort of to turn more to uh, general education stuff um, I was an SAT tutor at uh, Jordan's high school in Watts and I remember that was a real wake-up call for me coming from a very small elite private high school I was I was going to school at USC and then going to Jordan high school which is night and day in terms of privilege and access and like who's making up the student body and what amazed me was I had 38 chairs in my classroom and there were only 31 textbooks um, and I, it felt very strange and obviously you know Jordan is not uh, a charter school how does it feel to be in a charter and it seems like to have a little bit smaller class size a little bit um, more personalized attention when a lot of schools at LAUSD are like in extreme crisis and have been right. that way for decades almost you know as someone who goes to a charter school I only really know charter school mm-hmm. you know uh, we do have smaller class sizes, um, like our school specifically, we have computers for almost every student. We've had, we have textbooks, we have prep books recently. You know, just today, my A-Push class, we all received um, like prep books for the AP exam. And so having that, I think it it definitely, like it, that's the way I found out how, uh, you know, other schools work, you know, um, public schools don't really have that, you know, they have really large class sizes. And so being in a charter school, I definitely feel like I have that privilege, like, oh, yeah, like, maybe I don't have like, you know, everything. But you know, I, I appreciate what like our school, our, our school is providing us. Do you feel that sort of um, unequal access and unequal um, access to education to materials when you talk to students that aren't going to private school or charter schools or students that that maybe don't end up in as good a district? Yeah, you know, I a lot of you know, so a lot of the students that I come in contact with are students who do go to public schools, and so it's a lot of oh well, I don't have this in my class, and this class is too big, and I don't even know what we learn, and everyone's going too fast, and it's like it's all over the place, and so you know, hearing that, you know, it it makes me sad, you know, like education is a right. Like we, you know, education is something that, well, arguably everyone really needs. Like it's like everyone goes to school. Well, everyone has gone to school or has some form of education, any form of education. And so um, students who don't really have that access, it's like, well, you know, something has to be done. You know, someone has to say something because if not, you know, it's going to keep going like that. If you could talk like directly to the LA, LAUSD board or talk directly to Mr. Butner, the new superintendent down here, what would you want to tell them to focus on um, first? There's so many issues, but what do you think they should focus on fixing immediately? Hmm, that's a really good question. I guess I guess it would be teachers. Um, uh, you know, how they're getting paid and, you know, like the, the way that their classes are structured. Because I also think, you know, teachers deserve a lot more attention, a lot more, you know, thank yous. Because, you know, I, I have amazing teachers. And if other teachers um you know they they do a lot for their students they they're the ones who you know stand up and, and teach 
So I, I think it, it, it ultimately falls under anything to do with teachers. You know, I actually messaged um, Tyler Okeek. He is the student member on LAUSD. Um, and we were talking and he was telling me, you know, about the like the logistics of how it looks like. And I think it also, you know, he was telling me, you know, something that I was just thinking about, you know, when I mentioned before earlier, um, teachers should be on these boards. Um, yeah, and he was telling me, you know, um, a lot of the people who are on the board haven't or don't have teaching experience and so they don't know what it's like to 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 be in the situation that current teachers are in yeah the the board um you know we have people like ref rodriguez and other people who are businessmen and entrepreneurs and they're the ones making educational decisions it hasn't made a whole lot of sense to me um what's the future look like for you like what do you want to stay in education obviously as you're you're junior you're beginning to look at colleges and kind of plan out the next four years where do you want to go with the skills that you've picked up through this process i don't know you know i've been thinking you know i get asked a lot so what is it that you want to do where do you even want to go to college what what are you thinking about and you know before you know eighth grade me wanted to become the president um ninth grade me wanted to be a doctor and so you know as i've been um participating in different programs you know I, I really think I want to, you know, run for office one day, you know, whether that be on a local level, on a national level. I think that's like I, I've had experience as a high school student. I've had years of experience in terms of um, like or, uh, like organizing and social justice and stuff like that. And so I think a lot of the skills that I've acquired, um, may, I still have a lot to learn, but I think it's ultimately going to be something like that. Yeah, organizing and activism is always a constant conversation with yourself and with others. And it's one of those things where you never get to the end point. There's always more yeah. to, to learn and do. Uh, for students who might want to get involved, for other people who might want to get involved or know what's going on, how would you suggest they plug in? Where would you where would you send them? How would you suggest they get started? I would, I would say first, um, look at your school. You know, a lot of schools have, you know, every school has clubs or they have some sort of way for students to get involved. Um, let's see. A lot of neighborhoods also have, you know, neighborhood council. We talked about that. Yeah, because um, they have a. They also have a student board or a student position generally on most of the boards, which isn't elected most of the time. It's appointed, mm-hmm. which is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some direct influence on their community that way. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, reach out to your counselors, your teachers. A lot of them know about programs. They know about, you know, um, online platforms. Maybe you can, you can, you know, it also, you know, social media is so like fast right now. You know, it's yeah. it's everywhere. And so I think um, being able to learn how to network and talk to other people, um, just attend any anything that's like in, in your community, any event, you know, start getting to talk to people. Very cool. And so as we round out here, any last thoughts that you have? Any last words of advice you want to leave us with? Um, ideas for the future? I mean, I don't, I mean, it's a, it's amazing what uh, my experience at SABE was. Um, I definitely want to stay um, a part of the California Association of Student Councils. Um, but I just want, you know, my whole thing is I want to get young people out there. You know, um, young people are, are not the future. They're right. They're the now. They're the present. Um, so I, I just hope that a lot of students, you know, are encouraged to, to join any anything that allows them to voice their opinions. Very cool. And I honestly think that's one of my favorite things I've heard in a while, that students aren't the future, they are the now. Because that is the truth. You know, the world that we've built and that we're hurtling towards this climate change disaster, um, that's something you're going to have to live. That's something I'm going to have to live. That's not something that the people in their 50s and 60s that set these policies are necessarily going to have to live. Yeah. And the sooner we can step up and like take more responsibility and start making innovative changes, the quicker we're going to turn the ship around. And thank you very 
very much for being so dedicated to this. I'm super impressed with what you've been able to accomplish. <laughs> Thank you.